0: that's great I'm glad you think we should be married and this should be the way that it is on tv but it's not and you're having a hard time dealing with that get out of the land of should because that is only going to cause you to have to break that connection with people
1: hey there I'm Ani Michalski wellness coach therapist and mom to half a dozen amazing kiddos this podcast is for moms who desperately need a break but refuse to take one you know who you are You have a jam-packed schedule and you're so busy doing everything for everyone else you don't leave any time for you. What's up with that? Well no more. Take off your superwoman cape and learn how to put yourself on your to-do list. This is the Moms Without Capes podcast. Hey mom, short on time but feeling like you're at the end of your rope or that your bucket is nearing empty? Grab this list of 15 self-care practices that you can do in under 15 minutes. These ideas will get you quickly back on track and are great for moms who are limited on time. I think that's most of us. So check out the show notes or go to momswithoutcapes.com backslash self-care-ideas to download your list today. Today on the Moms With That Case podcast, we have Shannon Peel. Welcome to the show, Shannon.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: So today we have with us Shannon, who boasts over 30 years of expertise in marketing, sales, advertising, and storytelling. Shannon's insatiable curiosity and learning drive have equipped her with a unique skill set. She excels in crafting compelling brand narratives, leading audiences from brand awareness to brand advocacy. Recently, Shannon launched Brand Appeal, Brand Storytelling in the Digital Age, an interactive digital book featuring videos, podcast episodes, and workbooks. It empowers small businesses to define their brands and tell their stories effectively. In this episode, Shannon reveals how shifting our personal narrative from victim to hero, can attract better opportunities and people into our lives and work. Join us for an enlightening conversation with Shannon Peel on the Moms That Capes podcast. All right. So before we dive into that, can we dive a little bit more into your story
0: and how you got to be where you are today? Sure. So when it comes to the story, what would I call the story of women or a book called That's Life? It's all, a, it's a novel approach to help people, especially women, change their narrative and reframe their narrative. So they're no longer coming across as victims, but coming across as vi- heroes of their story. And the reason for that is heroes, you know, we want to be around heroes and victims. We want, you know, we, we try to avoid, to avoid <laughs> victims are to be avoided. Uh, now I, when I, when I turned 40, my life start, started to really fall apart. And I ended up in a mud, what I call the mud pit of life. Like no matter what I did, I just kept sinking deeper and deeper and deeper and I couldn't figure it out. So I basically lost everything I was scared to lose and ended up one day my, I was moving from the, into the kitchen and, you know, I had so much emotional pain. It came through as physical pain. Um, Everything hurt all the time. And then all of a sudden, all of the pain went away. I was just numb. Like, all this this calmness came over my whole body. And at that moment, my brain told me, go down that that bottle of pills in the kitchen that you're going to go get. Mm -hmm. That's the answer. And it seemed so clear. It seemed like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Now, of course, I'm... I'm a Taurus born in the year of the ox. There's no one more stubborn than I am. And I was able to stop, breathe and push through my brain telling me that the best thing for me to do was to end it. I, have you know, that wasn't the only time that that happened. Um, I still struggle with it. But it at that moment, that was the most. You know, that was the closest I ever got. Because I had just lost the last thing I was scared to lose. My kids moved out of the house. Both of them. One day I had, I was in an apartment. I had my son, his girlfriend, his best friend, other friends of his that he was moving in and out of my house and my daughter all living under the same roof. And then the next day they were all gone. And when kids move out, it's not, hey, mom, love you. They wanted, they didn't want me to be a part of it. They were, they're highly independent children and they wanted to be together. That was the other thing. They were quite young when they left because my ex said, okay, well, if you move out on your own, I'll give you the child support and uh, not your mom. And I just lost my second job in two years at the time. So not only had I lost my job, but I was losing my child support because my kids were moving out and I'd already taken my ex to court to get full child support. Mm -hmm. I... I just didn't want to go through that process again. I mean, I was scared of him. Um, that's, that's the big thing. I was scared of him and I just did not want to face him, which meant going and paying a lawyer another $10,000 just to get the kids back under my roof. And then they would have been mad at me because they were, um, you know, right. Because they were teenagers (laughs) and, you know, teenagers are teenagers. I mean, my son was an adult. He was 19 and my daughter was 17. Mm. Um, but still it was hard. It was difficult for me. So at at that point I'd already lost my marriage. I had lost my middle-class lifestyle because we ended up in poverty. Uh, I had lost friends. I had lost my credit rating because my ex stopped paying any bill in my name a couple of years before I lost my house because he, it was so bad I had to leave and he stayed in the house for two years so all my equity was in the house mm-hmm. and I couldn't get at it because he was there with his girlfriend so he moved I moved out and his mom moved in and then his girlfriend moved in and um so I lost family I lost you know was, you were like at, at this low low point right yes. and then I lose my job yeah I'll just to um, when find another job nobody would hire me. I I tried dating. No, no. I kept getting more abusive men coming at me. Mm. I couldn't understand why couldn't I get a job and why couldn't I find love? Right. And the reason for that was the story I was telling. I had cast myself in the role of victim. All of this stuff was happening to me. I had no control over any of it. And I would have guys yelling at me to get my life together. Um, just say I'd have interview people at interviews would say just weird, cruel things that would just hurt me. And it was all because I had put myself in the role of victim and not in the role of hero. Mm -hmm. And that is really important because when we continue to tell our story as a victim, we attract abusers, Mm -hmm. people, good people leave us. People that love us say really cruel things because they just want us to get move on and get over it. Mm -hmm. And we are just re-victimized over and over and over again. So that's my story. And that's why I created this Reframe program uh, because it's so important to tell your story from a place of strength and a place of... Absolutely, absolutely. So how did you realize that? Like, how
1: did you come to the realization that it was the story that you were telling yourself and well, that, that
0: was what needed to change. I, during this time I wrote a novel, I wrote a novel about five women navigating life in the 21st century. Okay. And of course I took from my life and I took from who I am and all these women were pieces of me, except for, well, three women were definitely pieces of me. One woman was more of my friends. Another one was the uh, foil, the, uh, the, the traditional role of women. And, you know, for the first part, I was like, oh, OK with it. But then, I, you know, you put it away and then you open it up and you start reading it later. And you're like, oh, my goodness. It was so
1: obvious. Yeah, it was so
0: obvious. <laughs> um, another thing was I would have these guys. I'd be on online dating and I would get these abusers constantly contacting me and I couldn't figure out why. So one time I said, "Fine, I need to talk to somebody. So I, ta- I sat down with one of them. I said, excuse me, I need to know what is it about my profile? that attracts those to me like I I don't want what you're talking I don't want what you're offering right (laughs) what is it about it we went through the pictures and he said this picture right here really I I looked at the picture and I really looked at the picture and I saw in my eyes I was on the verge of tears you could see the pain in my face yeah eyes and that's what these guys were attracted to Uh oh yeah so they wanted to rescue Mm, no it was no they just saw the
1: vulnerability
0: they saw the vulnerability they saw the person that they could beat down and put into these roles right. traditional roles of women and um right, right. they were looking the whole for power and control the whole yeah. power control thing it, it was, plus it was at the time of 50 shades of gray so it seemed like every guy who was coming at me was was about this 50 shades of gray thing right. and um and, yeah it was yeah so i It had everything to do with the image I was portraying, the words that I was saying and how I was sharing my story and what, you know, a lot of my story, I was just like, I'm honest, I'm an open book. you ask me a question, I answer it. Right. That's not always a good thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's not always a good thing when you're trying to attract certain people into your life and trying to do things like get a job. Right. No, There's we a know. such thing called boundaries. <laughs> but because of the abuse, because of my story, um, my abuse story, I didn't have boundaries. Right. I didn't know what boundaries were. And that affected my relationship with my kids too, especially my daughter. It was like, mom, you're always, you have no boundaries. Like you're always in my space. You're always mm-hmm. grabbing at me and um, saying the wrong thing and embarrassing me. Mm-hmm. So I really had to learn uh, what I was doing. I had to learn boundaries. I had to move myself away from them and really start working on myself to understand, oh, maybe I shouldn't be saying that. Maybe I should be putting it into a different context, right? Because my pain, my emotional bro- brokenness, was affecting my relationship with my children. It was affecting my relationship with mm-hmm. my parents. I pushed all my friends away. I just right. stopped talking to them altogether. And I was unable to get a job. So but basically I was unlovable and unemployable. And it was not a good place to be.
1: And that's what you were telling yourself.
0: I did tell myself that. That's part of my story. Yeah. You know, I even yeah. have a I even have a blog post about being unlovable. Yeah. Now, I still will say I'm unlovable, but the the story has changed right before I was unlovable because of me I was Mm -hmm. unlovable because of the way I was right now I'm able to say look I do not fit in that online dating world Mm -hmm. I do not want to play that game and if that makes me unlovable to these guys that's fine I will own that
1: now you mentioned Shannon that you um had written a novel have you always been like a storyteller
0: like stories have always been an important part of your life yes I grew up in uh back uh I like to say the middle of nowhere in Canada it wasn't really the middle of nowhere Canada but it was pretty close uh but there's definitely more remote places but we had two channels on tv we had for part of the year and then for th- two to three months of the year we go and live out at the cabin where we had no running water no tv uh no telephone <laughs> nope no indoor plumbing <laughs> you know it was pretty rustic so the only thing we had I had at those times was novels and books and stories. Okay. and it was a small town I didn't have a ton of friends uh, I'm not really good at going out and i have a lot of acquaintances i have a lot of people who know me and like me but i'm not really good at going out and building those deep relationships those deep friendships but uh it was always like well that i was so It's sit back and wait for them to come to me that's how i was Mm -hmm. just a loner i'm a loner and i own that as well and it's not a bad thing but so that's why story was so important because it was where i lived it's how i coped it's how i move through my life and I always loved how stories helped um explain complex problems and as well as our history you know one of my favorite top subjects in school was always history because it was it was a story of humanity and how we have evolved and why things happened and why we why we are where we are that's all in the stories that we leave ourselves and our family. I mean, one of the blog posts on my during uh, COVID, one of the first things I did was go online to ancestry.com. I thought, ah, you know, I've always wanted to know this. So I started <laughs> And I have this blog post called uh, Seeking Thomas because I was trying to find the stories, the history. How did I end up in Western Canada of all places? Is mm-hmm. all my family, mm-hmm. all the branches, the last one to get to Western Canada, was 1890 something so mm. all the stories of all the reasons why people yeah. came are gone i can't find those stories i can find dates and this and that but why did they all come together and mm. how did i end up here and this blog post is all about the my mom's great grandmother or anyway one of my mom's grandmothers was a cook in buckingham palace for queen victoria Hmm. And on the other side, my dad's side, my last name is Peel and my aunt was doing our doing this genealogy thing decades before I was and she had said well there is some sort of connection to Sir Robert Peel who was the prime minister during Queen Victoria. So I thought that was a kind of a really neat story because here you have the cook and the prime who cooked for the queen and probably the prime ministers. Mm-hmm. And her husband was a Bobby who we have the police force due to Sir Robert Peel. And all of these people came, these two branches kind of culminated in, mm-hmm. in us. And I thought that was a kind of a cool story. And I wanted to see if it was true. Of course I cannot, I couldn't because that's <laughs> where that's we're seeking Thomas comes in. Uh, you know, we, we can only, I can only go back so far. I can't find that connection that my, my aunt was talking about. Um, but that's those histories, those stories. How did we become? And that gives us purpose. That kind of gives us mm-hmm. an idea that we are part of a bigger picture. There is something about time and space. And we're here in this time and space right now to do something, to move our family forward on a generational level. And that's where those stories come from. That's where history comes from. I, I just, it's just fascinating to me.
1: I can tell, I can tell your passion because uh, to be honest, history was one of my worst subjects in school. <laughs> and it wasn't well, until I got older that I started, I was homeschooling our kids and like we were learning about the revolution. And I was like, I know I've learned about all of this, but I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, this is so interesting. But as a kid, it was just like not interesting.
0: Well, I think it depends on your teacher. If so your, your teacher- if your teacher was just trying to teach you the dates and you had to yeah. memorize dates and names and big things, like, oh, when was the war of
1: yeah 1812? Just, like, wrote facts. You know, yeah, yeah, it that's wasn't really a story.
0: That's yeah. really boring. But when you talk about the people at that time and the things that they did and what motivated them to do those things, then you can start seeing, you know what, if they hadn't done that, my yeah. life would be really different right now.
1: Right, right. We can do that with just our own lives, like, you know, looking at the bad and the good and seeing like, you know, but if those bad things, like if those things that may have seemed horrible at the time, if those didn't happen, I, st- I wouldn't be where I am right now.
0: Exactly. Like, which
1: there's, I mean, of course, there's good and bad things currently, but, you know, we wouldn't have the good things if it didn't happen back then, like as it did. So yeah, just looking at our own personal history, you can see those, those Things ring true. If you're a super busy, stressed out mom looking to minimize self-doubts, challenge unrealistic expectations, and confront negative self-talk, all while increasing your self-confidence, then you already know that you have to stop feeling inadequate and fully believe in yourself. That's where the Quiet Your Inner Mean Girl program can help. In just eight weeks, You can transform your inner critic to become your biggest cheerleader. You will learn proven methods to stop negative self-talk, break the cycle of negative thinking, and shift your self-beliefs to ones that serve you. Start treating yourself with kindness and compassion and grow your self-esteem and confidence by enrolling in the Quiet Your Inner Mean Girl program today. You can find the link in the show notes of today's episode.
0: And one of the things about a story that I love is, you know, we intrinsically trust that which is like us. Mm. And we mm. distrust that which is not like us, which is why we have so much division in our, in our sure. society, in our culture, because especially in history where you have racism and all of that stuff, because we looked at people from Africa, but we you're different. We're scared of you. So we're right. going to place you and we're going to do this. And that's how that happens. When we, all we see is the outside, we can see how people are different than us and we don't want anything to do with them. right? Or we want to push them down because we're scared that they're gonna take over. But what we do a story is we crack that veneer, we open up and we show more of ourselves. And we show these, we expose these threads of our lives and our stories and ourselves. Mm-hmm. and the audience or the person that we're talking to will then pull on the those threads that they resonate with them, that they feel they can trust. Because now it's all about experiences and looking at shared experiences and shared beliefs and shared um, value systems. So then you're pulling on those threads, you pull on theirs and they pull on yours, and then you end up weave, weaving it into the tapestry of life. And I, I swear, if we could go a million miles in the sky and look at this tapestry of life, it would be so beautiful. We'd weep. Mm -hmm. And we could see how all of this fits together, but we have a place in it and our connection with other people is dependent on, you know, what happens because we can't all do anything by ourselves. We're all connected. We all need connection. Even a loner like me needs connection. Right we thrive on that. Shannon, share a little bit more about um, the different roles that we can
1: put ourselves in mm. when we ta- when we have these personal narratives. So when I know we ta- talked about the hero and the victim, yeah. but I know there's more.
0: There's more, there's more. So we have um we have the victim. Now the victim is the person in the story who needs to be saved, whether it's the damsel in distress or the guy that got mugged or the or their fodder, you know. They're the ones getting blown up and and dying to show how horrific the story is. But they're the people whose main purpose is to be saved in one way or another. The viewer is the person that kind of is the bystander. They're the ones sitting there, standing, watching what's going on in the story. We'll have, you'll be watching a story, a police procedural story, and they're there Uh, at the crime scene and the crowd around is all viewing them those are the viewers of our story their only purpose is to observe and report then you have the villain don't we just love the villains of our stories the villains of our stories are the ones that get in our way they're the ones that that cause us friction of some sort now we're all villains in other people's stories And we all have villains in our stories. There are villains that you wanna avoid and there are villains who can actually help you to see what is happening, but you have to be able to go to those villains, get their feedback, okay, that's very nice and walk away and take what what matters and leave what, what doesn't and not take it all personally. But when you're sitting in victim mode, you will take everything the victim says personally.
1: You mean the villain? Everything the villain says?
0: says the, sorry, okay. yeah. So everything the villain says, a victim will take personally. A hero will be able to go and talk to a villain, and they don't take any of it personally. It's all constructive criticism to them. They take what matters and they leave what doesn't. So that's the right. difference right Right there. You okay. have how to they, how they interact with the villain in the story or in their lives has everything to do with how they take criticism. Then a hero, there's a problem in a story. All stories have a problem that needs to be solved. And how they look at that story, that problem will depend on whether they're the hero or the victim. So a victim will look at a problem and just look at the problem and complain about the problem, point at the problem, expect other people to solve the problem, and will just whine and complain. A hero will look at the problem and take responsibility for the solution. So they see a problem and they want to solve it. Now they may fall down, they may, you know, the the villain may come and maim them in some way, but they always get up and try. Again, they try a different way. Whereas a a victim will just sit there and go, whoa, it was me, I can't do anything. They don't move the story forward. They keep the story stagnant. A hero will move that story forward by taking action and the victim will not take action in their life or in the story itself the story regardless of what the victim does
1: okay so is it possible to recognize what role you yourself are playing or do you need somebody else to actually recognize that
0: well it helps if you are able to talk to somebody and, and do your story but if you journal and you're able to kind of separate yourself in your writing from the emotional piece. So if you're able to be rational and analytical about what you're feeling, you'll be able to do that. But that's what heroes do. So heroes are able to do that. They're able to say, okay, I'm feeling this right now. Why am I feeling this? Okay, this, and they're able to identify the stuff and move the story forward by taking action and understanding victims unfortunately they get so in in the emotional piece they are able they aren't really able to step away and see what's going on around them because just see that bigger picture all they see is that what that what's right in front of their face and how they're Mm -hmm. feeling it's all about them and not and where the hero is they're part of it, but it's not all about them. The story isn't all about them. The story is about them helping other people where the victim is very much about what's happening to them at the moment. And what, why is this happening to me? What was me? If they write in a journal, that's really helpful because when you write in a journal, you're able to get those feelings out on paper, put the journal away, pull that journal out a week later, open it up and read the journal. And then you're able to kind of identify oh, okay, maybe I shouldn't be thinking that, oh, that that's victim, that's victim, that's victim. You can kind of identify that, yeah, maybe I am acting like a victim, but you still need help figuring out how am I going to reframe that? How that was going to be my next question. Change that. Yes.
1: How? So that was going to be my next question is how do you, once you recognize, or you, you, you figure out like, oh, wow, I've been really being like, The victim in my story how do you start to climb out of that and reframe your story to one of being in the hero
0: so what i would say is that you take that journal entry from the week before Mm -hmm. and you rewrite it with the how would you like to have been imagine yourself as a hero what would you have liked to have happened how would you like to have dealt with this and not from a woe is me, um, that person did that to me. That's so unfair. You got to get rid of that, and you got to start thinking. Okay, how would I like it to be if I was the hero, and really understand how heroes behave, how heroes think, and how heroes act. Um, my my story, the story of women, that's life. Is is so. I've taken my novel and I've created this program where you can read the story identify how that character is being a victim what they're thinking acting saying and then rewrite that character you don't have to rewrite it but just rethink it think about okay if that character was a hero how would they act think and feel
1: right what would have been different and
0: then it's not so personal because it's harder for us Mm -hmm. to identify ourselves as victims and then say okay okay How would I want to be a hero? Because you're still raw. Like when your boss fires you and you think that's totally unfair, changing your attitude to being a hero, it's really hard. Because, well, first of all, you do have to sit sit in victimhood for a while. And it is okay to sit in that victimhood for a while. But don't allow yourself to stay there. And the only one that can change it is you. Nobody else can change it. It makes me think of like looking at a
1: situation and seeing, well, what can I control and what's out of my control? And then learning to let go of those things that are out of your control and just focusing on those, the things that you can. And there's always something you control, whether it's your response to it, you know, what you're able to do or not do versus what other people are doing.
0: But if you're able, and that's, that is totally what it's all about. You are the one that has the only thing you have control over is the decisions you make mm-hmm. that's it how are you going to react how are you going to move forward and as right. soon as you accept that and understand that and you stop trying to change other people or have other people treat you a certain way i call it the land of should my but mm-hmm. always to my daughter get out of the land of should right You think expectations should be this way. That's great. I'm glad you think we should be married and this should be the way that it is on TV, but it's not. And you're having a hard time dealing with that. Mm -hmm. Get out of the land of should, because that is only going to cause you to have to break that connection with people. You know, one time I, my, we were having a hard time with my son with drugs and stuff. And my daughter was really mad, really mad at him because it was affecting her life. Her friends, were not allowed to come over to our house because their parents didn't want their kids around my son
1: right
0: and which is really hilarious because it wasn't that big of a problem but anyway you know gossip and rumors they make it up to be this big huge problem but anyway that aside so <laughs> my daughter was really mad at my son for having causing this problem for her mm-hmm. so as we're here's a here's the thing when you got teenagers and you want them to talk to you get in the car and drive and keep driving and keep driving and don't let them have the phone don't let them have a phone don't let them have anything but just drive if you can find a place that doesn't have cell service all the better now <laughs> in Canada that's not that hard um, <laughs> um but she was explaining how angry she was and I finally said stop do you love your brother answer this question for me. do you love your brother and of course she said well yeah then you have to accept him for who he is. He is going through this right now. He is struggling right now. How can you help him? How can you support him? Because you love him. And he doesn't want the, he doesn't want your friends not to be able to come over. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want this for you. It's not like he did this on purpose. So how can we work through this? How can we solve this problem together? And as soon as we did that, as soon as we switched this and then I was able to go and talk to the parents and let them know exactly what was really happening, it changes the outcome and it changes what happens because they go from being the victim and complaining to actually participating in the outcome that they want.
1: Right.
0: Now, you won't always get the, you won't always get the outcome that you want but an outcome is better than just sitting and and
1: right.
0: right. That outcome you want at
1: least provides a target. You may not always make that target, but you've got to have something that you're aiming
0: for. Yeah. So yeah. And that's why writing maybe your future self as a hero. Sure. Yeah. And thinking about what the future that you want. And then writing that story about your future self and being the hero and seeing yourself in those characters. Uh, one of the thing one of the things I ask people to do is tell me which program like which tv show do they like to watch what series is their favorite series which character do they admire which character do they admire in this world of television or streaming now let's break that down what is it about that character that you admire and we start breaking down the behaviors the characteristics the feelings everything about them and then we look for commonality in them. Like, how are you like that? How are you like that? And how can you be like that? Uh, we, we, you know, it's not just one character. We, you have to go through three or four characters in order to get really get a full picture of the hero that you want to be. And then it's deconstructing that and saying, okay, so how are we going to get there? And how are we going to understand that? It is a little bit of fake it till you make it. I don't like that word because, you know, you don't want to fake it. You want to understand who you are and right. who you can be as that hero, and then just portray that to the world. And then as the world sees you, they'll start treating you that way. And as they start treating you that way, you will become it.
1: Right, Self-fulfilling prophecy.
0: <laughs> well, it's more understanding that this is who I am at my core. This is who sure. I am. yeah. Me. And that's what happened with me, right? What happened with me is I really got back to the woman I was, before the abuse before the fall before the the break uh Mm. you know going through a breakdown was horrific but I'm I am that strong woman again I am that capable woman the world sees me as that because I am able to tell a story of being that right that's what you're projecting onto the world Is you know
1: who you authentically are
0: yeah I mean I, I I don't hide my my has my my breakdown really? I don't I don't hide any of that I hide the fact I don't hide the fact that you know my mind still lies to me
1: mm-hmm.
0: but the hero part is yeah my mind still lies to me I just don't listen I figure out a way these are the tools and the ways that I get over that this I have you know I play courtroom with my mind looking for evidence and right finding out what the real solution is what the real story is where is the evidence what does the evidence say does the evidence really say that i'm useless and i got nothing to offer to people and no it's not what the evidence says that's just what my mind likes to tell me Mm
1: -hmm. so shannon any last advice or anything you'd like to add to finish up this conversation
0: if you're feeling like something has happened to you you had no control. If you feel like you had no control over your life or no control over where you are because somebody else had the power. You have to make a choice. Are you going to take control of your life and be the hero or are you going to stay in that victimhood? You can stay there. But if you want a better life, if you want people who you admire to want to be around you, you have to start moving away from that victimhood and start understanding what you look like as a hero. What does that going to look like? How is that going to look? And the only way you can do that is by seeing the story, writing out the story and stepping in that character. And then as you tell your story, you, for example, what sounds better? My husband kicked me out of the house or the situation got so bad. I chose to leave the house. Mm -hmm. Same thing happened, different wording.
1: Right. Hey, did you know that there's a Facebook group filled with moms without capes? Women who are learning that it's safe to take off the superwoman cape and take care of themselves? There sure is. And we'd love to have you in the group. Moms Without Capes is a free community for moms who feel overwhelmed, stressed out, and exhausted from trying to do it all. Come discover who you are under that cape and give yourself permission to show yourself some love. Search Moms with that Capes when you're in Facebook or follow the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. See you there. What do you do for fun, Shannon? Let recast guess this.
0: I do what I'm doing right now. I, <laughs> I do what I'm doing right now. I love my work. I love what I do. I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy getting on stage and sharing my story and sharing ideas to help other people get what they want out of life or their business or their careers. The working is my fun right now. Nice. Nice. Do you have a book that you'd recommend?
1: I know you wrote a book, so why don't you start with that? <laughs> my book?
0: <laughs> um you know, if you're a mom, And I know that your audience are a bunch of moms. Uh, The best book I ever read as a mom is called How to Talk So Your Kids Will Listen and How to Listen So Your Kids Will Talk. That book is the best book for anyone that is a mom, but also a manager. It is the best book about communication that I've ever read. Awesome. And then your book is called? Well, I have The Story of Women, That's Life. And the other book I have is uh, Brand Appeal, Brand Storytelling in the Digital Age. There's a lot of other books on my website as well. They're, they're anthologies. They're a culmination of experts who have come together to talk about a topic. Okay. All right. Now, finally, where can listeners find you? At marketappeal.com or right. shannonappeal.com. Okay. And appeal is spelled A-P-E-E-L.
1: Okay, so I forgot to tell you that, but everything will be in the show notes. That's
0: right. <laughs> I usually always tell
1: guests that before we hit record. I'm usually like, okay, and everything's written in the show notes, so you don't have to spell
0: anything. <laughs> and as soon as you started saying, I'm like, oops, I forgot to tell her that. <laughs> I, I always mention it because, yes, I spelled appeal wrong because Peel is my last name. And when your last name is a noun and a verb and you're a writer, you use it. Yes, of course. I unfortunately can't do that. <laughs>
1: can't even pronounce my last name i was at first my website was that i was like nobody is going to be able to spell that it doesn't even work so anyway shannon thank you so much for being our guest today it's been a pleasure
0: well thank you for having me i really enjoyed it
1: thank you for listening to this episode of the moms without caves podcast i'm always up to hearing your ideas for future episodes so send me a dm and let me know and if you enjoyed today's episode it would be awesome if you leave me a positive review wherever you're listening to podcasts these days until next time take care of you you are worth it